Electrical grids are being put to the test as winter cold settles in and hangs on. Texans were asked not to use their washing machines to try and keep the state's already troubled grid from failing. Ice storms in the south dropped brittle to power lines. Dare we even think that spring may still arrive? In Buffalo, they put out the word asking Bills fans to show up at Highmark Stadium and help shovel the snow so they could get on with the already postponed NFL playoff game with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Snow and ice from as far as Louisiana to Maine. How's this if you live in Canada? This week, the temperature in Vancouver was colder than a reporting station in the Arctic Circle. The polar vortex sucking cold air from the North Pole and sending it more to the south. A word to God's people. I'll change one word. When you pass through winter, I will be with you. Welcome to Haven Today here on Wednesday, January 17. I'm Charles Morris. And I'm David Wolin. And together we're sharing the great story that's all about Jesus. And this program continues a series with our new president and speaker called Keeping It All About Jesus. Well, we've spent several days comparing and contrasting what's taught in the Old Testament with the New, finding Jesus on both sides of the Bible. And of course, we've already read scripture that tells us to hear the word of the Lord, put it into practice, learn, believe, be changed even. Let your heart be warmed, even this winter. But something else. It was the early Christian Augustine who preached and said, treat scripture as the face of God. Melt in front of it. Repent when you hear about your sins. So out of God's word, we give thanks. We confess our sin daily. We live with the love of Christ flowing out of us to others. David Wolin, thanks for joining us again today as our new speaker and as I go emeritus. It's my pleasure, Charles. And those were great words from Augustine. He's such a towering figure in church history. He points us over and over again, not to his own greatness, although he could have done that, but to the greatness and glory of the Lord Jesus Christ, which is where we need to turn as well. Every day, each one of us, we need Jesus afresh today more than anything else. I certainly do as well. So, David, let's return again today to a program helping us see how Christ showed up in all the Bible. So what do you say? We do an overview from old to new from one of the great Old Testament prophets. You bet. And we'll be opening up the prophet Isaiah today. And you know, Charles, that book, among the skyline of the Old Testament prophets, Isaiah stands tall. It so prominently points us toward Christ, the covenant keeper, the servant, the king who is yet to come and ultimately would be the fulfillment of each and every one of God's great promises. Let's do it. But first, We want to invite you into a journey with us, with the Lord, through his word this year. The goal is to read the Bible all the way through with the goal of seeing and knowing Jesus more. And to help you do that, Haven Ministries has a brand new resource. We've called it Christ in All the Scriptures, Reading and Praying Through the Bible in a Year. And we've been talking about this book the last few weeks. And if you haven't gotten your copy, we'd urge you, don't delay any longer. This is the time to order. And what might seem like an impossible feat reading your Bible through in a year, this resource makes it much more accessible and gives a lot of help. 
And even if you've read your Bible in a year before, this could give you some fresh insights and some fresh encouragement. And you probably already know this, that every time you go through God's Word, it's a new journey and a fresh opportunity to encounter the Lord Jesus. So after our time together, I want to invite you to come to haventoday.org, haventoday.org. You can make your first gift of the year there. And also download the first three weeks of this book so you can get started reading the Bible even before your copy of Our Christ and All the Scriptures arrives. And let me suggest, as we have been, that you get a couple of extra copies to start studying God's Word with those around you in your life. If you don't go to the website, haventoday.org, you can just call us at 800-65-HAVEN, 800-65-HAVEN. And now with words drawn from the book of Isaiah, we open with Mark Schultz. You certainly know those words, holy, 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 Mark Schultz opening this Haven Today, a program called Keeping It All About Jesus. And David, we're wrapping up our series this week, Keeping It All About Jesus. And we've been all over the Old Testament, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, King David, the Psalms even. But today it's time for a prophet, 
So we'll dig into Isaiah in just a moment. But first, you and I had a conversation with a scholar, New Testament scholar, Dennis Johnson, a friend of mine. His books have been hugely impactful on both of us. And we'll air that interview this coming Friday. But there was part of that interview that we thought would help us out today. That's right. Charles, in our conversation, I had mentioned to Dr. Johnson just in passing how sometimes well-meaning Christians will raise an objection to this idea of seeing Christ in all of Scripture. Sometimes it's because they're afraid that people will start misreading their Bibles or start inserting a poorly understood framework using their imaginations and erroneously coming up with all kinds of false teachings. And All the while, they're thinking they're doing what they're supposed to do, to be looking for Jesus in all the scriptures. Well, and of course, that's not a new criticism. It's not a concern at all, but we can understand why this concern might be on people's minds. Well, I think Dr. Johnson's response was helpful. Here's what he told us. That's an important question, uh, because uh, we, we know that our own imaginations can run pretty wild at times. So I think Maybe I said, I talked in him, we proclaim about uh, St. Augustine's uh, interpretation of Noah's Ark, in which he pointed out that the dimensions of the Ark was the dimensions of the human body, which means it's obviously a symbol of Christ, and the opening in the side represents the wound in Christ. How do we rein in our own imagination? And I think, obviously, we need to be guided by how the New Testament reads Old Testament texts. Now, there's also a kind of a minimalist extreme in that and saying, well, if the New Testament explicitly tells me, quoting, this fulfills the prophet, or Adam was a type of Christ, like Paul does in uh, Romans 5, then I have some reason to make a connection. But if I come to an Old Testament text and I'm looking at cross-references, and I find any place in the New Testament that talks about it, then I better stay away from connecting it to Christ. And I respect that concern, but I think that the explicitly identified types, patterns, as we call them, that are identified in the New Testament are not sort of the exceptions to the rule. So they're the only places that we can draw the connections, but they're indicators, I think, of how we can see themes like prophet, king, and priest, ministers of revelation, ministers of rule and defense and uh, judgment, justice, wisdom, that's all part of the king's office, ministers of reconciliation and purity, priests, that those patterns, the New Testament is saying, look at those patterns because they come to ultimate fulfillment in Christ. We have that warrant. Maybe not to go into every single detail the way Augustine did with the ark, Mm-hmm. Uh, but, of course, he started with a clue that Peter gives us in First Peter 3, that in the ark, people were saved, and somehow that salvation is a preview of our salvation. So he started mm-hmm. there. He just went too much into the nitty-gritty, I think, trying to draw mm-hmm. more connections than, than are really warranted. We know that the Bible is a covenant book, right? That's the other thing that I like to explore a lot, that it's the relationship between God and his people, which the Bible calls covenant. Our two parts of the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, came into English by way of Latin. If Jerome had done better on the Latin, we might have been calling it Old Covenant, New Covenant, uh, because that, that division is clearly rooted in the Jeremiah 31 promise. 
prophecy of a new covenant. And Paul makes that clear. So then if we look at how the Lord functions in any text of the Old Testament, well, Jesus is the ultimate Lord of the covenant. One of the things that struck me in working with Acts, which is what I'm really working on a lot right now, you know, Jesus is portrayed in Luke and Acts as the servant of the Lord. In fact, he's called the servant of the Lord. So we'll get covenant servant in a minute. But in Acts 1.8, he's the Lord of the covenant, so who says, you will be my witnesses. So that's language directly out of Isaiah 42, 43, 44. You are my witnesses. The Lord says, my people are the ones who testify to my reality. So when the Lord calls us as witnesses, it's Christ that we hear in the Old Testament. And when Christ comes as the faithful servant to keep the commands of God and then to suffer as the suffering servant, again, that pattern, even if we're looking at other texts, maybe about the servant of the Lord in the latter chapters of Isaiah, Israel is the servant. Yes, but not the faithful servant. There's another who is the faithful servant. So thinking in these patterns that the Bible has already taught us through the preaching and the writing of the apostles as they learned them from Jesus, I think can keep us from going wildly astray in our own imagination. Dr. Dennis Johnson. And David, he really set us up well for digging into Isaiah today, didn't he? He sure did, Charles. I heard him mention Jerome, probably the most renowned Bible translator in the early church. He was the one who translated the Old and New Testament into Latin. In the late 300s AD, it was a little bit like the King James translation. It put God's word back into the hands of the people. And it was Jerome who called Isaiah the evangelical prophet. (laughs) I like that. Hmm. And the book of Isaiah, along with the Psalms, these are the two most quoted Old Testament books in the New Testament. But, you know, sometimes, Charles, the prophets as a whole can trip people up when they're reading through their Bibles, and it can be sometimes because they're lacking familiarity with what the prophets are talking about just in history or in their topics. But each of those prophets was hand-selected by God. They were charged with speaking God's word to Israel at a specific time in the historical context. So, Knowing the story and even just reading through your Bible like we're doing cover to cover can make a big difference in that. But also, Charles, in the prophets, so much of what they have to say is confrontational. There's so, there's so many dire warnings and predictions about what's going to happen to Israel if they don't turn and repent and come back to God. Hmm. It's a vital theme, though, Charles. We need that impressed on our hearts. We kind of need to feel the darkness, humanly speaking. We need to feel the desperation for God to act. Charles, I'm thinking way back to the Pentateuch. In Exodus 24, after God gave the law through Moses, the nation of Israel responded as one to what they had heard God command, and they said this. They said, everything the Lord has said, we will do. Hmm. But, of course... They couldn't. And the history of the Old Testament is really a history of mankind's total inability to obey God's law, and then how in the end there's really only one who could. But as history rolls on, the patience of God is just breathtaking. There's no judge on earth who gives so many chances, is so full of grace, and certainly no judge who's going to come down off the bench and sit in the defendant's chair on their behalf. But That's exactly what God was going to do. And we see these profound predictions and glimpses of this throughout Isaiah, in particular, as we do, I think, 
really more in some ways than any of the other Old Testament prophets, just in sheer quantity. But as Dr. Johnson urged us to do, we can let Scripture interpret Scripture. So was Isaiah really all about Jesus? Let's listen to what John's Gospel says about Isaiah. This is coming from chapter 12 in the Gospel of John, verses 37 through 41. It says, Even after Jesus had performed so many signs in their presence, they still would not believe in him. This was to fulfill the word of Isaiah the prophet. And this is quoting Isaiah. Lord, who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? It says, for this reason they could not believe, because, as Isaiah says elsewhere, he has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts, so they can neither see with their eyes, nor understand with their hearts, nor turn, and I would heal them. Isaiah said this, and this is important, Charles, Isaiah said this because he saw Jesus' glory and spoke about him. Mm. So, Charles, perhaps you could open up Isaiah and just take us through one of the prominent themes that leads us to Jesus. I'd love to do that. We have spoken so much during Christmas and in this series in 2024 about names of Christ in the Old Testament pointing to the coming Messiah. But there's one word that speaks deep into my heart. It's the title servant. From this, we find the great theme in Isaiah 53 and 54 of the Messiah as the suffering servant, which has led so many Jews I've met over my life to meet and find their salvation in Yeshua. But the word servant relating to Jesus is portrayed in other ways by the prophet Isaiah. There are even four servant songs recorded by this major prophet. These songs all describe the service, the suffering, and something just as important, the exaltation of this servant of the Lord who would come to earth as the Messiah. God's anointed one would be gentle and meek, or as the King James puts it, lowly. Isaiah even quotes the Almighty in the rich text that you read in chapter 42. This is God the Father speaking. Here is my servant whom I uphold my chosen one, in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him, and he will bring justice to the nations. He will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. In faithfulness he will bring forth justice. He will not falter or be discouraged till he establishes justice on earth. In his teaching, the islands meaning to outer nations of the world, will put their hope. Rich treasure coming out of Isaiah relating to the Christ. But then Jesus himself expands on this idea of his being a servant. What I have in mind is found in Matthew, Mark, and John. And I'll share what I mean. Jesus speaking in Mark 10, first to his disciples. Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. But then in verse 45, he applies it to himself. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. David, I can't help but think of last year when a new king was crowned in England. I don't presume to know or judge the spiritual state of the new King Charles, but I know he got it right and quoting this passage out of Mark 10. I'm not here this day to be served by my subjects, 
Instead, in being crowned this day, I'm taking on this role to serve you. So, my purpose in life, my daily prayer, is not for anyone to serve me, but how do I serve others in the name of Jesus? How do I show his grace to others like he shared with me? That'll preach. And this has become a burning in my heart for the rest of my life. From heaven you came, helpless faith. Entered our world, your glory there. Not to be served, but to serve. Give your life that we might live. This is our God, the servant king. He calls us now to follow him, to bring our lives as a daily offering of worship to.
Graham Kendrick with Rend Collective and his classic song, The Servant King, here on this Haven today, keeping it all about Jesus. I'm Charles Morris. What a rich feast we have in God's Word, pointing us to the Lord Jesus, who is himself our true bread and true drink. What about you? Are you hungry for God's Word this year? I sure hope so. And this is your invitation from us to dive into God's Word in 2024 and join me and David Woolen in reading the Bible cover to cover this year. And to help you on this journey, we want to send you this new book we've just released, Christ in All the Scriptures, Reading and Praying Through the Bible in a Year. This is our thank you for your generous gift to support the ministry of Haven. Christ in All the Scriptures, Reading and Praying Through the Bible in a Year. That's right, Charles. And this is our thank you for our listeners' generous gifts to support the ministry of Haven. And this is something we sometimes forget to say on the air, but we need to. We're listener-supported. That's how Haven stays on the air, and it's friends like you who are listening today who keep this ministry on the air with your support. So please do get in touch today and get your copy of this resource and maybe even a few more to share with others. So please do get in touch today and get your copy of this resource, Christ in All the Scriptures, and maybe even get a few more to share with others. You can go online to haventoday.org, that's haventoday.org, and there you can make your gift. Or you can call us at 800-65-HAVEN, that's 865-HAVEN. I'm Charles Morris. And I'm David Wolin. Thanks for joining us. Why don't you come back again tomorrow when again together we'll share the great story. It's all about Jesus here on Haven Today. For your walk with Jesus, I'm David Wolin with Haven Today, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. Children are a priceless gift from God. He entrusts them to parents, but in the end, they still belong to God. Few parents understood this better than Hannah in the Old Testament. She was barren for many years, but when the Lord finally promised her a son, immediately she set him apart for service to the Lord. When little Samuel was born, Hannah knew that child was not truly hers. Listen to her declaration in 1 Samuel 1.28. So now I give him to the Lord. For his whole life he will be given over to the Lord. Have you ever presented your precious children before the Lord? Ultimately, they do belong to him. Anchor Devotional can help you open your Bible and spend time with Jesus. Visit GetAnchor.com.